Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. For more information, you can visit the Cinema Catch-Up Club's official Facebook page. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Or you can visit our website, thoughtjarproductions.com. This podcast is available on iTunes and SoundCloud, and we would really appreciate your subscriptions there, so pick your service of choice. For more information about this and other podcasts we produce, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com. And now, for this week's episode. Hello everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host, Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And this week, we're back to our regularly scheduled programming of anything and everything. Australia Month was fun, but now we move our attention overseas, and back in time, about 30-odd years, to a comedy some have called maybe the best comedy of the 1980s. The film is... A Fish Called Wanda. Joining me, as always, we have someone who has seen the film and somebody who has not. And our guest who has not seen the film, it's Luke Jago, everybody! Hey! How are you, Luke? Good. My first time I haven't seen the film. Yeah! <laughs> yeah. Um, so, as, as you sit here in the uh, the not-seeing-the-film uh, chair, what do you actually know about A Fish Called Wanda? Uh, all I know is that it has John Cleese in it, it has Kevin Klein and Jamie Lee Curtis... And that, I think they all got together again in the future and made a movie called Fierce Creatures, which was kind of like a spiritual sequel, but not quite a sequel. And that's all I know. I don't even know anything about the plot. I didn't even read the uh, synopsis because wow. I, I want to go in completely blind. Okay, so you're completely blind, completely yep. new to experience. Um, what, what's your opinion of, I guess, uh, people like John Cleese from his, like, his Python days and his other comedies? Um, oh, genius, yeah, absolutely. I love uh, Monty Python, Holy Grail, Life of Brian, Many of Life. And, yeah, uh, Basil Fawlty, like he's just a comic genius and I'm expecting great things. All right, well, uh, sitting next to you and about to tell us if uh, your expectations are correct, it is Tegan Mulvaney. Hello, hello. So excited. Yeah, you've been... On my uh, on my case a little bit about uh, being the the have seen it guest on this film, yeah, um, which is totally fine because I want people who are passionate about films on. Uh, but what is it about a fish called Wanda in a sort of vague, non-spoilery sort of way that that made you want to be on this program? It's just so much fun. I think this is a film that I grew up with. Um, love it. Grew up with Monty Python as well, just like Jago, um, and. I don't know, because I've been watching this film since I was a kid. It's one of those films where you're not supposed to watch it when you're a kid because it's, you know, M or MA rated. And then as you get older, you start realising all those jokes <laughs> that mm. you didn't maybe get when you were younger. Um, it's just it's just beautiful performances. And it, like it's one of those incredible ensemble films where um, Cleese, as the director and as the writer, has let everyone shine. Um and well, he I wrote and directed it as well. I think I could He's be the, wrong about that. He he co-wrote it with the director, the, the film's right. director, which I think was Charles Crichton. Um, and Charles was the main director. Uh, Cleese was kind of like a co-director, but really he was more involved in the script side of things. Yes. Uh, he did do a little bit of directing, but he was mostly involved in actually crafting the story and the script. He, um, it's, I love seeing ensemble films where everyone just gets that chance to shine, you know, where you everyone's a lead in this and everyone is deserving of the credit that they get from being in this film and the Oscar that um, Kevin Klein won in this film. It's one of, he won, I think he won the Oscar for best supporting actor, mm-hmm. right. um, which is awesome because it's one of those rare moments that a comedic performance wins an accolade. Yeah. Um, and hopefully you just, you will love it because you'll get to see why he deserved it. Now I haven't seen this film either. I can't um, believe that. That, like, astounds me. I know. Sorry. But uh, um, it, when I was doing my research for for this, for the notes, um, one of the things that I came across was the fact that it is essentially people saying it's one of the best 1980s comedies, um, you know, in a lot of, like, top 10 lists or mm. things like that. Um, I think even uh, Roger Ebert at, at the time put it as, like, 
this sixth best film from 1988. So it's it is held in in that high regard. Um, do you because we're all reasonably big comedy fans here? Um, would you say it's one of the best of the of the 1980s? Yeah, I think so. I think that's a f- fair comment to make. I, th- I think what it does really well is it's a great way of tailoring British humor to an American audience, and that's probably what made it so successful, and probably why it appears on all those lists because you've got you know iconic. British comedians and iconic American actors working together, um, and it's it's just fun. It's 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 just nice to watch a film where it's just fun, and everyone gets to be an idiot, really. All right. Well, shall we be idiots with them and watch the film? Yes, Yay. please. Okay. For those of you who are at home, pop in your DVDs and uh, do a quick head count of your dogs as we prepare to watch a fish called Wanda. Welcome back, everybody. We have just finished watching A Fish Called Wanda, and I'm joined once again by my guests, Tegan Mulvaney. Hello, Steve Platt. And Luke Jago. Hey. So, Luke, that was your first time watching A Fish Called Wanda. Yeah. What did you think? Yeah, it was really good, really funny. It's just like a really good... I had no idea what this was going to be about, and yeah, and the last thing I expected it to be was like a crime comedy caper farce. Uh, and love that. It was just right into it from the beginning. And farce is absolutely the word. Um, I I hadn't seen this film either, and I think it's brilliant, (laughs) having having just just stopped watching it. It's it's really funny, Tegan. Mm -hmm. And and you're sitting there with a smug smile going, (laughs) I told you so. It's (laughs) so funny. Just... That uh, every single person is so funny. Even like Jamie Lee Curtis, okay. what a performance! Yeah, I think yeah. I think that's a really good place to start. Jamie Lee Curtis, we we already know is a pretty fantastic actor. We've mm. we've seen her do so many things, but she is so good in this. It's, she commands every single scene, and just the way Wanda um, changes how she interacts with these different people and sort of seeing the truth of what she's thinking and her intentions through the lies that she's committing and, and telling is fascinating. The way um, she's behaving initially around Archie when she's trying to flirt mm. with him and then the next scene she's with Otto um, telling him he's being an idiot and things like that. It's it's an amazing performance. Yeah. No, I agree. In full true lies mode. Yeah. She's, yes. she's just... I mean, it's a really she's good. She's so hot. <laughs> I mean, she's that, so banging as that, well. That, she's that like is a, also yeah, um, peak form. Oh in my yeah. film, eighty-eight. I mean, in fairness, Curtis. they they do surround her with you know John Cleese and Michael Palin, you know, who are not exactly oil paintings, and um, and yeah, no, but I I think the way she uses her her physicality um, in this film is quite interesting, and not just in. Uh, you know, the sort of sexual alluring way, um, although she does do a bit of that. I think um, some of the physical acting, uh, particularly for the comedy's value, is um, is fantastic in this, mm. uh, particularly with um, Kevin Klein, her uh, her false okay. brother Otto. I've never seen Kevin Klein like, at, like this at all, mm. ever. Like, he's usually, I don't know, maybe I haven't seen enough of him, but he's usually like the nice guy, you know, mm. the real nice um, guy who's always put upon, you know, like in Dave or... In and out and stuff, mm. but to seem to be this kind of bumbling try-hard thief. Hello, Maurice the cat. Sorry, yes, snuggling. Maurice the cat has uh, joined us and <laughs> Hello. Has, he's adopted Jago. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yes, yes. Um, but seeing seeing Kevin Klein in this sort of role is is oh, pretty incredible. So good, like and a heap of it's improvised as well. So Wasn't he it? actually improvised. He didn't know any Italian. So all of those dumb Italian words that he's coming up with, he just came up it's with gibberish. on the spot. It's just, this way, this way says parmigiana Parmigian. about nine times. I love the fact that he pauses and then goes, mozzarella. Mozzarella. <laughs> so yeah, he did, ossobuco. He, he had no clue. And the, like, he puts in all these little jibes, like he puts his own name in there and all, there's a whole mm. bunch of little bits and pieces that he just came up with on the spot and mm. they just let him go. I think it's, really fantastic that they were able to incorporate a, a large part of that particularly um 
the, these four leads with with John Cleese and Michael Palin, obviously from their Python background, um, they were really good. But the thing I really also enjoyed is um, John Cleese can really act. Yeah. Um, yeah. And his his portrayal of this um, almost quite broken, dead inside lawyer who feels as though he can live for the first time because this um, smoking hot bombshell uh, has mm. turned up and started flirting with him, not knowing, obviously, that she's just trying to get information out of him to do with the diamonds. Um, but but his home life is, is quite sad. So funny. And she can, we need to talk about his, the woman who plays his wife. Mm. She is incredible yeah. in this film as uh, well. Well, there's, there's nobody who isn't incredible. Um, That's true. In terms of, I think everyone is acting... Pretty much bang on. I thought um, his his daughter Portia, Portia was was great. It's a really small role. Just so miserable, and you just don't care. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's just so 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 lovely, so well considered. Um, and again, Michael Palin mm. is is really pretty fantastic. And um, obviously, the, the the big thing with his character in this is that he has a the stammer. Um, yeah. And I think that's that's an interesting thing, obviously, because. Um, it's one of those things that I think in the in the modern day would be something that would be maybe picked on uh, a bit as being maybe not as acceptable. Well, they, it, think... it's interesting because he did it. Mm. I can't remember if it was a character choice on his part or not, but his father had a stutter. Yes. So he, I'm digging into your trivia troll maybe. That's okay. Um, but, um, so that's why he played it. They talk about it in some of the documentaries about it where, they knew that it was potentially borderline. They didn't want to offend anyone. It mm. was a character. It was a choice for the character, but not to ridicule stutters. It was just important mm. for that character to have this uh, trait. Yeah, and this be- inability to communicate. That's which, it. Yeah, yeah. It's part of the plot as yeah. well. And I think they handle it sensitively. Yeah, as I think well. I think like, so as well because I think the only character who abuses him for it is Otto, who is the villain. That's right. And yeah. I think it's one of the things that establishes Otto as being the antagonist in this film is that right from the first scene with Ken, uh, Palin's character, he's he's mimicking his stutter and and deriding him. Um, none of the others do in that wonderful scene where Archie and Ken he's trying to get the information <laughs> about what the hotel is. And Archie's going the k. He's being so nice it, about it. Sing it. Yeah. Like, no, it's okay. Take your time. Take your time. Yeah. No it's, hurry. It's just so so lovely. But it it, it is. It shows their working yeah. dynamic so well. Like to as I think Cleese put it, uh, Cleese. Sorry, mm. put it into um, the script, knowing knowing that Palin would be okay with it because obviously they've been working together for at this what, twenty point, years. By it this be, point, it would be close to thirty years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Whoa. Um. So they they had that trust, and he would have known about his family life, and so they've 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 been able to put it in the film with no desire to ridicule at all. Mm. Um, and it's I th- so great. Yeah, and I think it's it's trying to explain the plot of this film i think is quite difficult i this was one of the hardest films to keep notes on <laughs> there were points where i just went there's a there's a scene in the house where there's like five people turn up and it's just an absolute omni shambles i think i just wrote a house omni shambles scene um but the long and short of it is there's a diamond heist um with with uh, Wanda and Otto and Ken and, and uh, George Thomason yeah. and uh, played by Tom Georgeson. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and um, the the heist goes well, uh, but then Otto and Wanda attempt to double cross George. Uh, but when they do so and George is arrested, they discover that the diamonds they stole are no longer in the safe. And then it becomes a case of where have the diamonds gone? Who's got them? And the whole time they're trying to track them down. George is trying to get Ken to kill off the only witnesses, this old lady with three and then two and then one dog. Um, <laughs> who I had to point out was Finn Rizal from mm. Willow. That's, yeah. that's the first thing that came to my mind when I saw her. I was yeah. just like, Finn Rizal. Yeah. It's, um, and then at the same time as the affair with Archie, there's all Otto's weird like jealousy thing that he's dealing with and the fact that he can't handle people calling him stupid. And it's so multi-layered and so well considered and well performed it's it's a rare thing in a comedy in that it's riveting yes like you can't not pay attention to it at any point because you will get lost and it's it's fabulous i can kind of see the coen brothers getting inspired by this for mm. burn after reading i was I've, it is it, a little it burn felt after like reading. a bit like that and i yeah. think like they might have even been inspired by this film maybe yeah i mean it's just 
it's just absolutely wonderful. I mean, so many double crosses. Yeah. Um, I mean, and the reason it's called a fish called Wanda, obviously, is there is a fish called, called Wanda, Wanda. Um, which is one of uh, Ken's fish. Um, the good, do you know, because the analogy of an angel fish. Mm. So an angel fish is. Um, uh, this is my when I used to work in a pet shop. Mm-hmm. Um, coming through, an angel fish is a beautiful fish on its own. But if you put it with another angel fish, it attacks them. They're they're actually quite the most nasty fish ever. They <laughs> that would not ever probably, <laughs> probably a shark maybe. <laughs> But um, <laughs> no, angelfish will go a shark. I've or seen a dickfish. Yeah. <laughs> what a dick. Don't touch his dick. Uh, <laughs> touch his dick and he is dead. dead. <laughs> but yeah, they're, they're um, a really, they're beautiful to look at, but they're quite treacherous to have in a fish tank. So mm. that's a part of, I think that was part of the choice of using an angelfish. Yeah. And again, reflecting very well that that character of Wanda who who is just double-crossing everyone like all over the place. Yeah. And even, that, yeah. even at the end of this film, I'm not entirely convinced she's not going to double-cross Archie at some point. They were going to do that in the film as well. I don't know if that's in your trivia. Uh, no, it might be, but go ahead. Right. So um, they changed it because Cleese Klee, at the end was like, no, I want them to be together. They mm. should be together because they... You know, you see their trajectory through this plot, the the different trajectory that they have to say what she's had with everyone else, and you see, you see how much it resonates with her that someone has fallen in love with her. But they were going to make it so she was going to double cross him as well, and the way they were going to portray it was, you know, in the scene where they're where they're hugging in the in the air in the plane, mm. and um, Otto. <laughs> flies off on the the wing they were going to pan down to her shoes and her shoe was going to be a shark so it was going meant to show that she was still kind of gonna on the lookout on the hunt and going to her shoe was a shark her shoe was a shark It, it was like a leather shoe but it was a shark it was it had like shark printed on it Maybe they should have gone with an angelfish, the deadliest well, yeah. of all fish ever. Go a shark! I know this. <laughs> so they would, um, yeah. yeah right. so, so they that was going to be how they were going to end it. Mm. Um, but Cleese, uh, and I think, and I assume the director as well were like, no, this is this is not a satisfying ending. We don't want them. We don't want him to be double crossed. We yeah. want them to be what each other needs. Mm. Um, what was their post-title card? They, that they went to kids. South America, had 17 kids and, and opened a, a, a leper, leper colony. colony. Yeah, founded <laughs> a leper colony, um, which I think is... It's very python very It's python-esque. a very Python ending. I, I, the, the breakdown of, of Archie's marriage, um, which I think is, is a really good point to, to get on at this, um, is is really interesting, the way, the way that it happens. Um, and it's, it's not often that I sit there in a film and feel sympathetic to an adulterer, but... But the relationship is is shown between Archie and and his wife to be so dead. It's that sex scene. It's the yeah. versus them going to bed on yeah, the two separate beds. It's Otto and Wanda with the oh laude, oh cantare. Yeah. It's that that versus the um where she and won't c- even take her knickers off in front of him. So yeah. She puts on a nighty. And then embarrassingly, like, shuffles her knickers down mm, and yeah. he's trimming his toenails while yeah. she does it. It's incredible, that scene. Contrasted with Klein's no. cum face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if you look really closely, Jamie Lee Curtis losing, losing her shit. shit. She's burying her face <laughs> in a pillow. laughing <laughs> her help. head off. Well, it's just like one of those, like, cross-eyed, oh, you know, like <laughs> borderline a bit too broad. That's but wonderful. it worked because then he had another little... Expression after that, which I lost it at, and I kind of yeah. did. He was just—he was kind of like nodding to himself, mm. like, yeah. But, but seeing how that relationship broke down, um, and also in a way, you know, Archie, Archie's life and career was ruined by this. You know, the, after that incredible court fight room when he's on the floor, and then there's the empty courtroom, <laughs> and John Cleese just sits up, yeah. <laughs> and it's a really funny shot. And then his wife, um, and it's Patricia Hayes that plays yes, his wife, that's yeah. Right who um, I will allow you to gush over now because you were very She's just fabulous. That scene with her and Otto, Mr. Yeah. Manfringensen, my father was in the Secret Service, Mr. Manfringensen. <laughs> that is incredible. Mm. She holds her own against Kevin Klein in that role, you mm. know. She just stares him down. It's just brilliant. Like yeah. I, I don't know. And that... <laughs> 
when he's when he keeps telling her at the start, I won the case. And she's she just keep, ignoring him. Oh, now this is cracked. Yeah. That's my favorite part. And yeah, and it's I, but I like the fact that you know she gets that that resolution of just walking into the courtroom and slapping him and basically saying, you know, can shove this marriage up your bottom. You're right in your bottom. bottom. Um, was was really lovely and satisfying. But the thing I really liked is the fact that Archie just sits there and goes, right. And for, it's just in that moment, he's gone, well, I'm running away to South America with $20 million now. And yeah. I thought that was really interesting, particularly how determined he gets. I think because it's a comedy, it allows the performers to go quite big in and mm. bold in character decisions. And it's something that I, I think really helps this film. Definitely. Um, yeah. And even, you know, those phys- physical actions, things like um, Kevin Klein crossing his legs in the car <laughs> or when meditating outside the house, um, just, just, I just love Kevin Klein in this movie. I can't. I think he was my favorite part of the movie because I was just so surprised. Even when he's practicing, like apologizing to the yes. guy, and he's just like, "I'm fuck sorry, you! fuck you, fuck you." <laughs> like everything he said, I just well, his line readings were just perfect, mm. in my opinion. Oh my god, it's I'm disappointed. Yes, <laughs> I think no, just disappointed. <laughs> like, that's what it is. It is a really brilliant performance, and <laughs> the the. Very specific bit where he's sniffing her boot um, in the sex scene. I was just sitting there thinking, this does deserve an Oscar. Um, Because he is so embodying this completely ridiculous character, but making it seem as though it's not outlandish. Making it seem a little bit believable. And it's, it's... a fascinating well, performance. Believable in that I believe his character would do the yeah. things that he's doing. Yeah, and just like things like the, you know, sniffing his armpits whenever yeah. he has his arms up and things like that. It's... <laughs> like, oh, he's just spying on his on his girlfriend. Is it why is he mar- are they married or are they just together? They're or... just together. And mm. he's just always spying on them in the background and you just know what he's thinking. He's like, is he touching her is he she touching his dick? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I gave and, her rules. And that scene where he's driving her to the day and he's inquiring, <laughs> where he's like, So what can we expect? And she's going, Well, you know, I, I think there's a hundred percent chance of uh, some tit fondling on that's the my forecast yeah. forecast i'm sticking yeah. to it <laughs> yeah and then when he's going okay what about uh what Sucking? penetration yeah. <laughs> we're talking about uh penetration it's it's just so it, it's it's the way the rage is contained i think in in otto that makes him such a fascinating character to watch and in the same way we get a bit of that we can um, oh yes! Particularly when he's just on that steamroller, shouting "Revenge!" Yeah, <laughs> which reminded me straight away of the Austin Powers scene with the steamroller. Yeah, like the, the slow death of the steamroller. Yeah, That's the first it, thing that went to him. And it's, head. but I, I also really loved, and it felt like it was just like very much a B plot. But watching Ken try and kill that old lady, oh god, trying as to though he was Wiley e. Coyote and she was the Road Runner. Yeah, but. It was so the, funny because you the, knew each time the three dogs, the three dogs were all dog, going to get killed yeah. Yeah. <laughs> one by one. But it was the it was the little funerals for the dogs afterwards. It was which translates to uh, I'll find it again. It was just comedy. Translates gold. to Have mercy, Lord. The dog is dead. dead. Yeah. <laughs> It was just, it was that little bit that felt quite Pythony, but like the best of Python. Oh, um, totally. Yeah. It was, it, it was the fact that each time it happened, and we've already established Ken is an animal lover, that this is destroying him more and more. The um, presentation is amazing. When yeah. they first did the deaths, because even though they do their audience screenings to te- like screen tests, they had, um, particularly the last one they made really bloody so you might have seen like when the woman when mm. the, she's dead on the ground there's a bit of blood so there yeah but they out, made it yeah. really gory and no one laughed oh, more gory than what's in them yeah thing. as hey, soon right. as they took the blood away yeah it was, it was funny hilarious again. <laughs> so it was they, they needed to keep it comical and not realistic mm. well there's For a fine pe- line with dog uh, yes. Death. Yeah, so yes. I, I agree. So the second dog that gets killed by running over and you see like an obviously fake dog, but yes. like half of it's Flattened flat. Yeah. I think the fact that didn't have blood or bone sticking that, out. That might have been the one. That was the one they had really, it was gory. really gro- gory. Yeah. And they were like, oh, and people were like, Mm-mm, that's too much. Yeah. But and when it's got its legs out straight, like <laughs> it's like it's in a cartoon. 
it's yeah. like it is, Wiley Coyote. Yeah, yeah, it's it's wonderful, and also the fact that he was wearing like a Rastafarian wig with dreadlocks as <laughs> and a disguise. Big blood gash yeah. down his face. And we then, could we could handle it on him. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. And then just using a sniper rifle to shoot the concrete block, and then. <laughs> She does die of the heart attack, and the fact he just laughs openly at this amongst that crowd of onlookers, it's it, it's just such an interesting performance, and not something that you often get from from Michael Palin. Oh. Mm. And he's so good. He's again, everybody's really good. It's yeah. it's remarkable. Um, it's it's just absolutely remarkable. Um, there's. There's, there's almost too much to review. I, I, I'm, I'm just calling it at the moment. Stephen Fry gets attacked by Kevin <laughs> Klein at one point, um, and it's just, it's really funny. Um, just all so these that would be considered a cameo, wouldn't it? Because yeah, he, he's well and truly been established by then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. just, I think they wanted because it's the idea of English. All the English men, in particular, are so pompous. He yeah. personifies. Yeah. The pomposity of an English, just the way he, ooh, that and the ooh, fact, yeah, little voice, and the has. fact he gets distracted by the oh look the queen <laughs> and he turns around <laughs> is is wonderful. Um, and I think that's a really interesting point that this film really labours on thick, which is a very Clesian thing to do. Mm. Is that difference between English and Americans? Because one of the things Otto does a lot is complain about the English and how they're so uptight, mm. pompous English, giant <laughs> face, dickbag, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> it's um yeah it's it's and, and the fact that he has all these he's having all these observations about english people and life in england which i feel are very much coming from john cleese but putting them in the mouth of, of this like uh, very self-assured uh, cocky american character and makes then you it get that beautiful monologue of cleese's as well mm. when he's telling her about how much you know we spoke about it before how much life wanda gives mm. him because it kind of resonates Cleese's own ideas on because he married um, Connie Booth and yes. she was was she Canadian or American? Um, I'm not sure. Um, but he you know he married so many. Tegan. That's true. I, I that's true. Remember. There were a few. Um, <laughs> but I think um, it, it's really interesting because mm. I, that you know you see it from Otto's eyes, but then to hear that beautiful monologue, which I reckon is the part for me where I you see Wanda change her perception of what he means to her mm. that she's he's not just a meal ticket to yeah. the diamonds well yeah. he can speak italian and russian, russian. And just make her hump the floor. oh that rope hump thing was yeah. just it was again it was like unabashed use of physicality to be really funny i really like the way um in the sex scene with with, with kevin klein where her legs are just at this yeah ridiculous and angle feet are like moving at yeah. awkward angles but it's but it's that slightly over the top thing which really lends itself to this film um and I, I yeah it's i think playing off that that idea of um that re- repressed englishness i think is is a really fascinating thing that you don't often see in those films where they discuss those cultural differences they're normally very surface level mm. and then they don't explore it any further and i think tying that into Archie's character of someone who has been trodden down and is a bit sick of his life is really um, fascinating. I also think it reflects just John Cleese in general, given, um, <laughs> you know, how how often he has uh, been married. Um, <laughs> there was a wonderful interview. I think it was him and Eric Idle. Uh, they were both being interviewed on this American talk show. It might have been Jimmy Kimmel, someone like that. And John Cleese was giving Eric Idle stick for being married to the same woman for 40 years. Because <laughs> um, all the Americans were cheering when Eric Idle was going, I've been married to her for 38 yeah, years. Yeah. And he goes, that's not impressive. <laughs> he says, I've been married for like 23 years. And Eric Idle's like, yeah, but that's just like, you've added them up. <laughs> and there was an amazing line that he did. Um, this would have been about two or three years ago. And he goes, yes, yes. You know, I found out my ex-wife died um, this year. And he went, really? He went, yeah problem is it was the wrong one <laughs> and you see eric idle weeing himself laughing and you see this talk show host trying not to laugh <laughs> it's, oh he's amazing oh yeah and i just it, it is very well written this this is it's an extremely yeah. it's well written it's yeah. slick uh, it's so considering how much improv is in it yeah well yeah i didn't realize it did because to me it didn't seem that way it no. just seemed like a very tightly scripted thing but to know that like kevin klein was ad-libbing a lot of his lines yet it still fits into the structure of the story is awesome. Mm. I think that ties back to the how collaborative this must have been to yeah. be this successful. Like yeah. you, you could not have done this without 
huge amounts of trust and collaboration from mm. cast, crew, everyone involved. Did you see kind of some Faulty Towers-esque kind of uh, Between in there Archie and like his it? wife? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Miss, Mrs. Leach felt very much like Sybil Faulty. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Especially but, that but, scene. But almost the... crueler. Yeah, right. Like almost like that next level of just distance and cruelty um, compared to Sybil Faulty. But yeah, I definitely it, yeah, see Yeah, just those that. moments of farce, I guess you could say, where mm. everyone's hiding from everyone else and, you know, mm. hiding behind the couch and then she that, comes in and the oh. scotch and the drink and the necklace and that felt very Faulty Towers it, to me and it, really it, funny. It did. That scene is incredible as well. <laughs> yeah, that's where it really k- kind of kicked up a notch yeah. for me watching it. Like that's when I was like, okay, I think... I know what this film is now. Mm. Like, that's the first taste of it that I got, I think, in that scene. What do you think was, for you, Luke, uh, the, the funniest moment in this film? Uh, look, well, look, I don't know, just not one moment. Just whenever Kevin Klein these outbursts, they're all the things I was laughing at the most because, you know, I, but yeah, maybe, maybe that scene I was referring to where I was like, okay... This is like faulty towers with you know everyone's hiding and it's like get back there you know when when he okay look I really loved it when the the start of that scene when hmm. Jamie Lee Curtis and John Cleese are making out on the couch and then all of a sudden Kevin Klein is just in the room yeah looking <laughs> at them and he's like yeah and he's motioning to his dick like you you're not touching you know like and that's where I was just like ah okay here we go and yeah. it's all got getting out of hand now yeah love that and um, it just went on from there oh so good Tegan favourite moment in this film oh god um shit that's too hard yeah it's a big it is a really hard one the one that sprung to mind aside from that scene Luke was um when he is um dancing naked in the apartment and then the family come in <laughs> And it turns out that they're the people he bought his previous house off. But I love the the way he acts affronted, going, "What are you doing here? <laughs> Leave immediately, please." Yeah. He um, because he wrote that scene in for himself. He then freaked out because he who was he fifty mid fifties yeah. at this time. So he worked out so that he looks really fit mm. because yeah. he. Freaked out and for like months beforehand was like shit i better get in shape because i have to be <laughs> naked in this film that i wrote um he you watch him and you're like it's yeah, pretty it's bad pretty damn good it's looking. motivation yeah. i would need you know what yeah, that's, that's good yeah let, we'll have to do that Luke. yeah let's, let's get in a movie yeah we'll everyone that's your workout plan you yeah. you write a script and then you've got a few months that'll work <laughs> to be happy with how you look um, anyone out there would like to write platt and jago a script where we have to be naked yeah yeah just that one Anyone scene. Like will to be... see that, mm. then, uh... <laughs> well, you would after you see what we're going to show you with our cut figures. Mm. Shoot Cinema Catch Up Club a, a, a Facebook message. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that, that would be lovely. Yeah. Jago and Platt. We but... can raise the money through Patreon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's one of the bonus levels. <laughs> yeah. Don't touch my dick. Um, <laughs> I... I just want to thank the sponsors for the meal that we had today as well from um... <gasps> Fish Cold. Inglewood. Yes, uh, we are we are currently recording uh, near the suburb of Inglewood, uh, which is in uh, Perth, Western Australia. And when I was googling stuff to do with this film, a fish called Wonder didn't come up first in my immediate searches. It was a, a fish and chip shop called A Fish Called Inglewood, which uh, lovely food. It's the terrible name, though. It's just... <laughs> but it was just around the corner, so you kindly offered, let's get it. Yeah. And we did. We did. And it was and it, delicious. And it was delicious. absolutely delicious. But yeah. I don't know if there, any of the fish were... 4.7 Ingl- rating on Uber Eats. If, uh, which is pretty strong. Yeah. Just I in case you're listening, Fish Called Inglewood and would like to give us some free... Yeah, we love, we love the name. The name's yeah. great. The name is a bit silly, but the food, <laughs> the food is excellent. Yeah. Um, but and, we appreciate the name. Yeah. yeah. Well, look. We went and bought fish and chips from there because we were watching this film. No, the Uber man did. Well, the, yeah, the, 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 yeah, the Uber, um, the Uberman. Uberman. Which is almost Ubermensch, which ties back into all the Nietzsche discussion. <laughs> and just that wonderful, wonderful line of, Aristotle is not Belgian. Um, well, there was also the, the bit... The central with, message of Buddhism is not every man for himself. himself. <laughs> the London Underground is not a secret. It's movement. not a political movement. I also just love that when they're in the bed and she's saying, um, yeah, the Gettysburg... He thought the Gettysburg Address was where Lincoln lived. Yeah, that's... Right. <laughs> it's... I love... Um, I love the... Um, 
apes don't read philosophy. Yes, they do, Otto. They just don't understand it. Yeah. <laughs> it's some wonderful, wonderful insults, some wonderful stuff. I also loved how Archie kept... Um, kept Otto's attention whilst this steamroller <laughs> was very slowly trundling North towards Vietnam. him. Yeah. <laughs> that was a tie. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just wonderful. If you if you're listening to this and you haven't watched the film as yet, because I know some people do do that, go and watch the film. Mm, I I think that's do, that's right. ultimately where we're at. It is it is fabulous, it is funny, and it's just so well put together. Even little things like the the yellow car that um, uh, Ken's in when he's got the Rottweiler and it's just shaking violently and you can hear rrr, 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 rrr. it's so great. just just yeah. so much fantastic visual and and uh, well written humor yeah, it's and jokes in threes like asshole every time he has <laughs> <laughs> a crash or something yeah just, oh, and the people have quoted that to me and I had no idea what they're doing when mm. they just call you know obviously I get called an asshole quite a lot and yeah so now I know where it's from. And should they follow up this movie with Fierce Creatures? I haven't seen that either. It's not great, Fierce Creatures. It's lovely to see all the cast together again. Mm -hmm. Um, Fierce Creatures, I think uh, John Cleese had done a doco on ringtailed lemurs Mm. because he loves ringtailed lemurs and then Fierce Creatures Mm. kind of was born out of that idea because it's about a zoo. Yeah. Um, that's the only thing I know about it. But that's the, the only connection is the actors. It's not a continuation. Yeah, it's they're all different characters. And it's a, you know, it's a heisty sort of double-crossy sort of film, yeah. um, but it's not as slick as this. But it is lovely to see that cast together again. Mm. Uh, so that means we shouldn't go to the uh, restaurant next door to a fish called Inglewood called Inglewood Creatures. Cause, uh, <laughs> Fierce Inglewood. Yeah, it's, it's that's not... That's a strip joint next door. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll definitely go to that then. All right. Uh, would you guys like some trivia about... A Fish Called Wanda. Yes, please. John Cleese chose the name Archie Leach because that was Cary Grant's real name, uh, the actor Cary Grant. Uh, and Cary Grant was born 20 miles away um, from where um, John Cleese is from. He's from mm. uh, near Bristol in, in England. Um, and yeah, he, he Cleese also chose it because he said it was the closest he was going to get to being Cary Grant. So yeah, Ar- Archie Leach, that, that's why that name was picked. Um, I can see why Carrie chose to change it. Um, (laughs) There is something sort of seemingly appropriate about this this lawyer character being called Archie Leach. Um, It's a good name for a lawyer. Yeah. Mm. Particularly for an English lawyer. Leach. Yeah. (laughs) Hello, Mr. Leach. It's, yeah, it's... Yeah, I just thought that was a a fun one. Um, In the robbery scene, it really was Kevin Klein who shot the crossbow at the censor. He got the shot off correctly on the second take. Yeah, right. So when it That's hits cool. the thing and then goes, boop, 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 yeah, it was, that was actually uh, Mr. Klein. Um, Michael Palin's father started, as we said before. So Michael used a lot of his real life experience when playing Ken, including the fact that Ken Stutter was less pronounced around the people he trusts in this film being uh, Tom and Wanda and worse around people he was uncomfortable with, such Otto. as Otto. Yeah. Which was then exacerbated, obviously, because then Otto picks up on that and starts mocking him and yeah. it gets worse and worse and worse. I love it when he has that moment of... <laughs> When he just says something correctly, like, mm. and they had that little... Cat kind of, Cartel's Hotel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> then he just has that little look to camera. Ooh. And at the end, after he kills Otto, doesn't he celebrate? Ah, but like, wood, wood, chuck, 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 wood. Yeah, because he's lost that stutter. It's just, it is very satisfying. Yeah. Leech's daughter, Portia, is played by John Cleese's real-life daughter, Cynthia Cleese. She's credited as Cynthia Kayla in this film. Very nice. So that's cool. very good little. I, I like to think that's what the actual life is like. Daddy, Daddy can I can, can I kill the horse? <laughs> She's not fit for dog meat. <laughs> what does the mum keep saying? Oh, shut up! Do shut up, Portia. <laughs> But mum, please, when she's begging for plastic surgery, it's ridiculous. No, Portia. Just so miserable and you just don't care. <laughs> so great. Uh, Kevin Klein begged John Cleese to let Otto speak French instead of Italian because he, um, when he seduces Jamie Lee Curtis because Kevin Klein actually speaks French. Cleese insisted it had to be Italian. Klein started singing volare because he ran out of Italian cheeses and other phrases that he could ad lib and was concerned that the directors didn't yell cut because the producers didn't know uh, if they could have the rights to him singing volare. <laughs> yeah. I just love he, he's run out of stuff. So he goes... Uh, Valari. Valari. <laughs> yeah, 
I wonder if he sung enough of it to actually have to buy the rights or not. It was it was cut off pretty quickly, yeah. so uh, maybe maybe they got away with it. They got it. Good on them. <laughs> Um, as we said before, Kevin Klein won the Best Supporting Actor Oscar uh, without any previous awards. Um, he only received a BAFTA nomination for that role, um, which is he, qu- um, quite his, rare. His acceptance speech, I think he, he just got up there and was like, gee, was it real slim pickings this year? <laughs> <laughs> he was like, are you oh, serious? Bless. It's mm. so funny. But, you know. I want to know, actually, I want to check who he was up against. That's good. While you check who he's up against, uh, I'm going to let you know that Michael Palin went on to found the London Centre for Stammering Children after a group of stutterers confronted him regarding the sensitivity with which he dealt with Ken's handicap in this film. So I think it's... Yeah, and they obviously confronted him in a positive way. Um, well, I, I don't actually know. That's that's all that it so says. Just but confronted him. Just confronted. It may, it may have been that they've yeah. come out and said that was actually not that bad or they may yeah. have come across and gone hey buddy don't do that um, either way it caused a discussion that caused him to to then go and found this thing and oh, also if it's right. something that affected his father as well yeah, it makes yeah. sense that it, w- it would do that so good good on it's you michael beautiful. palin uh michael palin also thought that the script was awful when he first read it and we know this because it's in his diary um which of course he's published <laughs> yeah good uh yeah but he wrote his uh low opinion in the diary of the film but obviously was uh was well, convinced otherwise part wasn't big enough Mm. I'm just saying the same thing. Oh, it's yeah. a stutter. Oh. Um, when Archie is speaking in Italian, um, he they translated what he said, and one of the things Archie said, when Archie is saying it, sorry, he says, but I married a woman who prefers working in the garden to making passionate love. A big mistake <laughs> is what he says. Um, whereas obviously a lot of what... Um, a lot, a lot oh, of the garbled nonsense of, of um, oh, Kevin Klein was um, was a bit different. Um, yeah, I, I just thought that's quite interesting that he actually said yeah. something and yeah. made a confession in Italian, which obviously, as non-Italian speakers, we didn't pick up on. Yeah, and it's exactly right for the plot. Beautiful. Okay, Kevin Klein. I didn't hear any of that last conversation. I was too obsessed with finding out ah, this well, info. I'm sorry. Kevin Klein was up against Alec Guinness for Little Dorrit, no. Martin Landau for Tucker the Man and His Dream. Ah. Have you seen movie. that? Yeah, it's a good movie. Francis Ford Coppola film that hardly anyone's seen, but he's really good. River Phoenix for Running on Empty yep. and Dean Stockwell for Married to the Mob. Oh, so there was two comedies. Yeah. Okay. In, or Married to the Mob's that's comedy? Com- yeah, I think yeah. So, yeah. It does it's sound like Slim Pickings. I will, I will it was honest. Slim Pickings. Yeah. 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 Although Married to the Mob was quite a big film. Mm. Michelle Pfeiffer? Yeah. Yeah. I can just imagine Dem- Alec Guinness. Director of Silence of the Lambs. Sitting there, Alec Guinness just really pissed off <laughs> that Kevin well, Klein got it. Though. But I, Fuck this. that makes me happy though, because like mm. a, f- a role like that, like the work that goes into that performance compared to being a stifled dickens character mm. in little dorrit yeah it's dickens isn't yeah it? yeah mm. you go like like obviously that right you know the that role is so incredible no, i'm so yeah. happy that he won that for yeah. that yeah. against those guys because yeah like you said it's it whether it's comedy or not it's an incredible performance that's yeah. it there's some a plus acting going yeah. on there uh john cleese claims that this is pretty much entirely charles Crichton's movie in terms of the direction um he only took a co-director credit to reassure studio executives who were worried about uh, Crichton's advanced age. So John Cleese wasn't credited as a co-director, right? He's he uncredited, just, but yeah. the only major work Cleese did as a director was towards the end of the shoot. He uh, handled various scenes, mostly involving Michael Palin, allowing uh, Crichton to oversee the editing. Um, but yes, so... And it's very aptly directed, very well shot and edited. Mm. You I'm know, assuming it's... it's all the stuff with the dogs. <laughs> yes, that's amazing <laughs> stuff. I couldn't believe the ferocity they got out of those things. <laughs> yeah, that's no, great. When the film aired on TV in the US, many stations deleted the chips up the nostril scene, deeming it insensitive to individuals what? with mental impairments. Oh, God. All right. I mean, I see what they... You know, they don't want people going around, you know, picking on people with deficiencies. I don't know. I think that's just absolutely It, it seems a strange choice having now yeah. seen the film. I mean, out of all the other scenes well, that they could have complained about. Particularly because it's... I mean, the thing is, it, it reads as a... It, it's a torture scene. 
Um, but but with chips, <laughs> with and, chips, it's with, not like... yeah, and and all those fish that uh, that yeah, Otto ate. It's worse for the fish, man. Yeah. They can't do worse. Um, but yeah, that's that's an that's, interesting uh, choice. Interesting. And, Don't eat the green ridiculous. ones. Ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're not ripe yet. Yeah. Oh God! I just what was it? We were just like taunting these guys. Ha ha! Like the ending of that scene. Mm. The fish that Kevin Klein eats were made of Jello. Um, Klein claims that he offered to eat real live fish, but the filmmakers wouldn't let him. (laughs) (laughs) The final bit of trivia, um, which I've saved for last because it is pretty remarkable. In 1989, when this film was shown in theatres in Denmark, a Danish man named Ole Benson literally laughed himself to death during the scene where Ken gets the chips up his nose. So did the opposite to some people. Yeah. Uh, Benson's heart rate went between 250 and 500 beats per minute, and he eventually succumbed to cardiac arrest. The story behind this is that the man had made a joke a few years earlier with his family during dinner where he put a piece of cauliflower up his and every family member's nose as a joke and made a bet with them on who could eat up their their carrots without the cauliflowers falling out. When the scene uh, with Ken and the chips came up, he started thinking about this dinner incident and laughed so hard that his heart stopped. So a callback got him. How did they know that if he died? Well, the story is well known in Scandinavia and was spread around as a bit of an urban legend. It was confirmed by his son, who also told the dinner story as an explanation for why his father laughed so hard during that scene and then died. Oh my goodness. That's so funny. That happened to a guy during a goodies episode too. Oh, really? The Ecky Thump episode where the the black pudding um, martial art, Mm -hmm. um, a guy laughed himself to death in that. That was like a big newspaper story. Yeah. But how would you you feel if something you wrote evoked a reaction? Let's let's stick with laughter. Evoked a a laughing reaction where somebody... It's a a Monty Python sketch. Well, it is, yeah. The the, the joke that's so funny. Yeah, that they they beat the Nazis with it. Yeah. (laughs) Um. I think Cleese would have loved that. Mm. It could be argued that it's on a technicality because um, poor Ollie Benson was laughing at something that he did and it was just that the film reminded them of it, but... But yeah. Um, so is he from Denmark? Denmark, Not yeah. Finland? Not Finland, sadly. <laughs> oh, no. damn it. That would have been perfect. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. Um, so if you are going to watch this film, and you, you haven't done so already, um, watch so carefully because it's so, it's so funny, you might die. Um, and with that being the case, let's score the film. Uh, we'll start with you, Jago, because this was your first time watching A Fish Called Wanda. What would you give it out of 10? I'll give it seven and a half deposit box keys out of ten. Seven and a half? Yeah. Tegan made a face that suggested she's surprised I know, I, I, I can that. see it out of the um, corner of my eye. Yeah. Um, okay, so seven and a half. So That's, fine. That's pretty good. It's good. I, you do tend to mark them um, maybe slightly harsher than other guests, but, uh, but what would it have needed to have done to have pushed it higher for you? I'm pretty know. sure you gave Hugo a seven, so I'm... I'm Exactly. Pretty annoyed that yeah, this is only but, half a mark higher than Hugo. Yeah, there was there was more cinematic uh, stuff in Hugo that I enjoyed more than the, the cinematic stuff in this movie. Maybe I don't know. Like, I think it's perfectly Slash funny. Tires. Yeah, good. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to go Read anywhere some anyway. Nietzsche. That is that is no. It's okay. Look, I I think that is that is perfectly fair. I'm um, pretty harsh on comedies. Like you are. if I'm not laughing. Mm. All the way through from start to finish, like mm. I would be with, like, I don't know, with Null and I, which I would give a 10, you know. Okay, um, so that, that's your 10 rating. Yes, is it, with Null. Yeah, okay. Exactly. So, that, and this, fair. I mean, I've, you know, it's the first time I've seen it. It's it's made in the 80s. I mean, there are things that don't quite work. It's a little dated here and there somewhere, but it still holds up really well mm. against so many other comedies that were made in that time. Tegan, seven and a half is a badge I'm of honor. I'm giving it a seven and a half. Is, that's pretty good. I mean, I could push it to an eight just for Kevin Klein alone, but um, just as a whole, seven and a half, I think it's pretty pretty damn good all um, right tegan uh what score would you give um a fish called wonder uh i'm gonna give it 10 what assholes <laughs> out of 10 she's she's calling me that by the way <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh i i'm kind of i'm i'm pretty harsh on comedies i think i mean i don't have that knowledge of yeah. the cinematic so that Neither as much I. as i appreciate it it, it um it doesn't appeal to me as much as character story. And I think for this one, just just 
I think because we do a lot of ensemble comedy work too, seeing an ensemble just nail it like that, I have a sweat, like a swelling of just like appreciation, appreciation, yeah. and pride, and totally excitement, understand. and because this is something I'd like to achieve one day, you know, with in the in the shows that we do, mm. um, and you will. The, well, we. I, you know, in some other elements, I think we have in shows yeah. that we've done. We have moments mm. of it, but this is, it's so nice. But, you know, we do a lot of improv and we do a lot of theatre. So it's um, fleeting. So to see something that's, you know, it's kind of recorded, um, this is, that's why it's 10 out of 10 for mm. me. Um, and it represents everything I love, you know, growing up, everything I loved from Monty Python. It represents what I love about American comedy and, like, and the, melding of the two worlds i think that's really hard to do Mm. um and to do successfully um it's just bloody brilliant yeah i I agree um that this is an excellent film um an excellent comedy and i'm so glad i've watched it now um i i think it's i think it maybe has one of the best combination of leads that i've seen in a comedy film where you have four characters each very well um, explained, well-rounded, fantastically performed, and quite satisfyingly tied together. Um, it's it's not quite a perfect film for me, but it's close. Uh, mm. So I'm going to give it nine elaborate dog funerals out of ten. Um, <laughs> it's fabulous. Um, it's it's and it's well worth a watch. Um, so if you yeah, as, as we keep saying. Go watch it. If you know someone that hasn't seen it, get them to watch it because you'll all have a pretty jolly good time. Uh, all that remains for me to say is, uh, Tegan and Jago, thank you very much for watching A Fish Called Wanda with me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for letting me be part of this. Me too. It was a pleasure experiencing this film for the first time. Thank you. All right. And for those of you listening at home, thank you for listening in. If you have some feedback to provide, uh, say you uh, are like Jagan, you're going, yeah, it's a seven and a half, or you're a Tegan going, no, it's a ten. Ten. Uh, you can let us know <laughs> by getting in contact with us on our Facebook page. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club in Facebook. Leave us a comment. Uh, let us know what you think are the best comedies. Uh, well, film comedies. We'll stick to that. And, um, and you can leave those comments there. We can also be found on Patreon. If you want to become an official member of the club and uh, see that film with uh, Jago and myself having to desperately work out to get uh, thin enough to be naked please, on screen. Please, people. Come on. You can become members of the club and donate at that very specific level. They're already there, guys. Like, mm. just do it. They don't need to work out. Yeah, we're just, we're just begging to take our shirts off. But, but we need the right Patreon level. So go to patreon.com forward slash CCUC podcast. I'll do it for 20 bucks. Or a free right. meal at yeah. Fish Called Inglewood. Yes, actually, yeah. Uh, And if... (laughs) One. (laughs) Two's coming right up. And and make sure that you subscribe to the podcast uh, either on uh, SoundCloud or iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, But that's all this week. So uh, until next time, goodbye. Two and a half. (laughs) Keep going, Jago. You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.